Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Grace for This City podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Justin, and hey, we're helping you turn your city upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategy so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is, and he's the best one to be working for. Hallelujah. We'll jump right into the podcast today. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Share the podcast with somebody that you love. We believe that it'll help them. It'll strengthen them. It'll challenge them and uh, get out there and uh, help them turn their city upside down. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's see here. We're going to jump into uh, the law of transformation. That's right. The law of transformation part two and uh, go back in the podcast archives and you can uh, pick up on the first uh, session that we did on that. Uh, but we're going to jump into part two, and we'll start right here with Romans chapter 12, verse two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We're talking about the law of transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Of course, the word prove uh, can also be translated allow. And so we're, we're talking about proving, experientially proving the reality of God and his will in your life. Well, there's a piece to the puzzle there. And the Bible tells us that we have to be transformed. So to the degree that you renew or transform your thinking and your life to the realities of the kingdom or to righteousness, that's the, the, the degree that you're going to allow or walk in the supernatural reality of the kingdom of God, his ways, his will, etc. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want God. They want the kingdom. They want supernatural things to manifest to be demonstrated in their life. But so many of them don't want to do the hard work of renewing their mind, renewal into transformation. Well, it's transformation because you start experientially, you start proving, you start allowing the supernatural things of God. It brings a total transformation into your life because that realm is a higher authority than this realm. Uh, But we've got to renew our mind or change the way we think. And we covered that uh, in the last session. We dealt with Ephesians chapter four, I believe it was chapter four, chapter five. It was talking about putting off your old ways of thinking and putting on what you have learned in Christ because Christ is teaching you. As soon as you're born again, Uh, you begin to get into the school of how things work in the spirit, the school of the kingdom. And um, so, you know, uh, you are putting on these things or you should be putting on these things that you're learning. Your mind's being changed to how things really work, the truth. You're being encountered with truth. And when you take that truth and you begin to act on it, then you begin to experience transformation. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at a couple things here. I pulled up some notes. And uh, let's look at the word conform real quick. And then we will um, we'll, we'll go on to some other things here. But it says this, do not be conformed. So what is that Greek word conform? Well, we actually get the English word schematic. Um, I don't know if I could pronounce this Greek word, but it's suskematizo. 
Suske matizo. So we get the English word, which you would know as schematic. And uh, it means this, to be shaped, molded, or patterned after. That's what schematic is. So if, if, if you have a schematic or a, blue, a blueprint, then you're building something. And when you're done, it's going to look like it's going to be molded after or patterned after the schematic. And uh, but conform is a compound word. Uh, con means with or together. Conform con with together or form way pattern or process. And so if, if, if we look at that word, conform means to be merged with another through a way pattern or process. So you can understand how, how we get the English word schematic from that Greek word there. But that, uh, that English word conform, conform with together, con with or together, form, way pattern or process once again. So it means to be merged with another through a way pattern or process. So now this idea of conformity is actually it's neutral. Uh, it can uh, be good or bad. It's neither good or bad in its neutral state, but you can be conformed to something that will hurt you or harm you. You can be conformed to the world or you can be conformed to the kingdom. It just depends on what you're giving yourself to, to be molded or shaped by. Uh, you know, Proverbs is full of this uh, principle of inclining your ear, turning your ear, listening to his words, his sayings. If you listen to the sayings of the world, if you incline your ear to the world, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be conformed to whatever you're giving your ear to. Whatever you have postured your heart before, that's what you're going to be conformed to. And uh, this is not hard. It's not difficult. It's just a matter of putting in the diligent work to see transformation in your life. Now, you can, again, you can either be conformed to the world by giving your ear, your thoughts, um, you know, putting yourself, posturing yourself, subjecting yourself to the world's ways, ideas, concepts, words. You will be conformed to whatever you posture yourself in front of whatever you give yourself to, hearing, uh, whatever you give yourself to believing, over a period of time, you'll start to be conformed to that. Now, but if you want to experience transformation, the Bible says you got to not be conformed to the world. Okay, the other side of that, the idea here is be conformed to righteousness. And as you are being conformed to righteousness, your experience, you will experience transformation. So again, Conformity is neutral in this sense, uh, that it's neither good nor bad. It depends on what end result you're being conformed to. Here in Romans 12, 2, we're told not to be conformed to this world. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So once again, conformity is not a bad word. It's neutral. It just depends on what you're posturing yourself before, because whatever you, uh, whatever you bow yourself before, whatever you incline your ear to will begin the process of conformity in you. You'll begin to go the way of, or you'll begin to be shaped into the pattern of, or molded after whatever you're giving your ear and your heart to. But here in Romans, we find out that through what Christ has done, the father has through what Christ has done, he's predestined. Now that, that doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen. Predestination in this sense doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen. It's just that in the will of God, 
He has chosen that all who come to faith in Jesus Christ, all who are born again, who follow after the way of Christ, who've been, in effect, buried in his burial and then resurrected in his resurrection, all those who've gone that way, Father says, look, I've predestined then that if they go this route and if they stay in this vein, that they're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Doesn't mean it's automatic. In fact, it's not automatic. Uh, you're, You're going to have to do the due diligent part. You're going to have to study to show yourself approved. Uh, You're going to have to get into the scriptures. You're going to have to follow after him. You're going to have to listen to his words. You'll not just listen, but then do. Not just be a hearer only, but a doer. And if you do these things, then you will enter into that process of conformity to righteousness and then subsequently transformation. Total, uh, uh, the transformation would be the metamorphosis or the caterpillar story, right? You were a caterpillar, but you've given yourself to the process. Now you're being transformed into something completely different, right? You got wings, you can fly. I mean, it's a whole nother level of living. Well, the butterfly level living is only found as you're being conformed to his word. You are awakened now to righteousness. What is righteousness? It's the right way of doing and being. Once you are conformed to those ways, you're not going to experience the limitations that you experience, uh, previously experienced because you were a worm, say. You were living in that realm. You didn't have access to the knowledge and the wisdom and the supernatural power. You didn't have within you the ability to fly like the butterfly without completely being transformed. And you're only transformed through the work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we know then that we're to be conformed to something. But here we're told, don't be conformed to the world. So let me repeat myself again, right? Repetition is the uh, the mother of learning. Um, don't lend your ear, like these podcasts. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, well, I applaud you. Uh, podcasts like this and others, the, the end goal, the aim is to give you the truth and give you the truth in doses that will make fundamental change in your life. But if you give your ear to trash all the time, if you give your ear to wickedness all the time, if you give your ear to things of darkness all the time, listen, you're gonna start to be conformed to that. You're gonna start to think like that. You're gonna start to act like that. Uh, Remember that passage, was it Proverbs? It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Well, that's that's exactly what we're talking about here. Whatever you give your uh, ear to, whatever you give your heart to, whatever you give your mind to, over a period of time, you're going to start looking like that. You're going to start sounding like that. You're going to start acting like that. Whatever fills up your heart is what's going to come out. We've found that out in Matthew when Jesus said, out of the heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the heart flows the issues of life. If you're able to take an objective uh, look, which is hard to do um, to ourselves. Uh, Probably really need a third party here. But if you were able to take an objective look at at your life, your actions, your patterns, the fruit of your life is a result of the intake of your life on some level. What you're doing uh, is the result of the input. Whatever you fed yourself gave you the necessary sustenance to produce a thing, an action, a paradigm, a way of living. You know, people who are living perverted lifestyles didn't just all of a sudden wake up 
one day and were a pervert. It started many years ago and they began to feed on things. People who are walking in complete delusion didn't just wake up one day completely deluded. Um, now, granted, we're all born born in the sin. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mature manifestation of a particular way of living or thinking. That happened over time. That had to be fed. That, that had to be nourished. That way of living, that perversion, that delusion, that worldview, uh, that political idea or whatever, that had to be fed over a period of time. You know, I, I, I know people today that are completely different people than they were many years ago. And uh, I'm thinking of a person in particular now that they're different in a bad way. They didn't used to think like that. They didn't used to act like that. They didn't have that kind of attitude in their heart many years ago. Well, they just didn't wake up one day. Now, granted, there's mercy extended to us because we have an enemy. And that enemy, the devil, he's a tempter. And so there's mercy available to us if we'll just humble ourselves, cry out for God's mercy, ask him for his wisdom, ask him to reveal the truth to us. There's mercy. He'll do it. And a person who is steeped in the most crazy of ideas can come out of that if they'll humble themselves and ask for the truth. We have to desire the truth. We have to hunger for the truth. We have to thirst for the truth. And then the truth will be made known to us. Oh, hallelujah. You know, in fact, the truth in some ways is knocking on our door. Jesus said, behold, I stand at your door and knock. If any man will open up to me, I will come into him. Well, you have to open up your heart to the truth. Now, the reason why these people are conformed to the world and not conform to righteousness is because the truth is not had knocked on their door and they refused to answer. And uh, in that sense, that's where the ultimate judgment is going to be drawn because Jesus has made himself available. Jesus is not denying himself uh, to anybody. He said, behold, I stand at your door and I've knocked. Jesus has come to us willing and ready, full of love, full of compassion, and full of uh, vision for us. He's knocked on all of our doors. And, uh, you know, if you've got a loved one or a family member or somebody that's steeped in delusion, some sort of perversion, some sort of twisted mentality, ideology, whatever, there's still hope. Truth is waiting to be invited in. Now, truth may not be invited in at the moment, but we can, uh, in our praying, we have a we have a solid foundation to stand on that truth is waiting to be invited in. And in a moment, if that door will be opened up to truth, if that door will be opened up to wisdom, it says the entrance of his words, what bring light. And we know that when a dark room is illuminated, then maybe for the first time, we begin to see all the obstacles, all the hindrances, all the demonic manifestations, the, the trip ups, um, the snares, the deceits, when light enters a room, that which was hidden in darkness is now illuminated. And sometimes, uh, and in many cases, for the first time, people are in this position and they invite truth in. And when that truth comes, comes illumination. All of a sudden things are exposed and they find out maybe for the first time, wow, I had no idea that that was lurking in the corner. I had no idea that I was in bondage to that. Well, of course you didn't know because you couldn't see it. That's the power of darkness. The power of darkness is the attempted ability to hide a thing in plain sight. 
But when illumination comes, when illumination comes, no darkness can hide when the light is shown. So praise God. Keep praying. Uh, whenever we encounter folks who are steeped in delusion, we're just seeking Holy Spirit to help us navigate these situations because in our own strength, we're not bringing illumination. You're, you're not going to mentally talk somebody out of uh, uh, spiritual deception because it's not on just a natural plane. It's a spiritual situation. It's a spiritual condition. Uh, and only the illuminating light of the Word of God can bring illumination, not your uh, mental prowess, not, not, not how good you are at slicing or dicing or presenting the word. Uh, this is kind of off subject, but, you know, it was a big deal among ministers over the last 15 years uh, to develop yourself as a good communicator. And I put that in quotes, good communicator. It's like, oh man, he's such a good communicator. Well, it doesn't matter how good you're able to communicate anything. If the spiritual, if the situation is the result of spiritual bondage and darkness, your good communicating isn't going to cut through that because it's not a natural thing. You may be able to razzle-dazzle the minds of men depending upon what uh, everybody in the situation has agreed to as the, you know, the ultimate display of prowess. But when it comes to spiritual things, it takes the word of the Lord. Let me give you this. This just came up in my heart kind of gone off my my notes here but this has come up in my heart because i want to encourage you um in these kinds of situations when we're dealing with folks that are in steeped in uh delusion and um right here it says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god okay now in him in him who him the word was life and the life was the light of men and then in verse 5, this is John 1, 5. And the light shines in the darkness. Oh, hallelujah. That's exactly what the light is designed to do. And um, I don't know if dispensation is the right word here, but in this dispensation, we're dealing with a lot of darkness because of the reality that Satan has uh, been given access. He's called the God of this age, uh, he has a period of time in which he's able to uh, do his thing, say. And so we know specifically, or we're coming to know, and we're growing in our knowledge and use of light as a tool and as a weapon against darkness. Again, if somebody's steeped in deception, you're not going to mentally deliver them. Uh, what I'm, what I mean by that, they'll, they'll be mentally delivered, but that's only after the light of the word of God has pierced into their spirit, man. The bondage is not simply a natural one. The bondage is a spiritual one. And it takes a, a higher spiritual authority, the light of the word of the Lord to come in and bring deliverance on a spirit level. Then they'll come out mentally. Okay. Praise the Lord. So again, we don't razzle-dazzle people with just our mental knowledge. This isn't mental gymnastics here. We need the strategy from Holy Ghost on exactly what to say that pierces into that dark place that brings illumination where they can see the bondage that they're in so that they can humble themselves and the truth will set them free. But look at this. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now that's a King James word. 
But comprehend means this. Um, it means to seize or to lay hold of or to over, overcome, meaning darkness um, does not have within itself the ability to overcome light. It, 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 darkness cannot lay hold or seize on to light. No, it's actually the other way around. That darkness is simply the absence of light. There's no dark switch in a room. You never walked into a room and flipped on the dark switch. No, darkness is present in the space because the light switch got turned off. And this is the reality of the spiritual condition that we're in. Somebody turned the lights off to the glory of God, which resulted in a spiritual death. And we've been living in spiritual bondage, a spiritual death. And it's only until the light of the word of God comes into this dark space and illuminates it and casts out the darkness in order for the light of the word of God to bring a total restoration of rejuvenation. A, a, uh, it's called being born again into our lives. And, um, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to get back on track where we left off and it may not even matter now at this point, but we're talking about, uh, not being conformed to the world, but being conformed to the image of Christ, allowing the truth or that light to bring life to us. And as we are growing in that life, in the knowledge of the truth, the result is transformation. You can live, if, if you want, I don't know why you would, we can live all of our life in bondage to darkness, in limitation, in stumbling around in the dark, not knowing where we're going, not knowing what's in front of us. You know, people are stumbling. In fact, that's, that's in Proverbs. It talks about they stumble around and they don't even know what they're tripping on. Again, that's the power of darkness. And uh, until you receive the light of the truth, truth is illuminating. You can stumble around your entire life and go, why am I tripping on this? I don't know what I'm tripping on. Well, then you need the knowledge of the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth, the light, the truth is transformative. You'll soar. You'll not just crawl around on your belly. You know, the worm crawls around on his belly. And you know what? That was part of the curse. When uh, Satan was caught in the garden and he was cursed, you know what? He had to crawl around on his belly for the rest of his days. Nothing wrong with worms and nothing, you know, naturally inherently wrong with snakes other than we just don't like them. I mean, some people have them as pets. I don't. I don't care for snakes. But I'm talking about as far as just the animal is concerned, you know, God's creation. Um, great. Okay. They're animals. Fine. They're insects, bugs, whatever. But you know what? They're crawling around. Do you understand the difference between an animal that's limited to literally, literally scooting around on his belly or crawling around on his 50 legs or whatever, an inch at a time? Uh, compare that to like an eagle that can soar high into the heavens its perspective, uh, its ability to see uh, uh, is totally different. Well, once again, nothing wrong with the caterpillar, say. But the reality that God wants us to get is the metamorphosis reality, is that you could be a caterpillar or a worm in your beginning. But if you allow the truth to transform you, you'll be morphed, you'll experience metamorphosis, and you'll come out of this process as a completely 
different uh, creature that has the ability now to get off of its belly and soar. You're not cursed to stay low. Now you've been delivered, set free in order to soar high. You know, his, he said in Isaiah, his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than our ways. Well, he's, he's talking, he's, what he's saying there is it's not that you can't have them, but in his spiritual condition and in his possession of light and truth, that is what gives him the ability to have a higher way of thinking, therefore a higher way of living. So friend, come up off the belly of life. You don't have to be inching around anymore. Again, nothing wrong with the animals. There's nothing wrong with these insects. Uh, They're testimonies, if nothing else, of what is possible for you and I to come up off the belly, you know, scrambling around, crawling around through these crazy ideas and perversions and delusions and lies and deceit and come up, come up to a place where you're soaring high, where you get a broader perspective of really how things work. You know, you can understand that, uh, you know, the lifespan of a caterpillar, I didn't look this up, so I don't really know, but whatever the lifespan of a caterpillar is, however long they live, um, you can can understand that they're not going to see much. They're not going to understand much. You know, if they're moving around an inch at a time, well, they're not going to get very far over the course of their life. Now, saying that doesn't mean that we have to see everything, understand everything. Solomon did that, and, and, and he found out this. He looked, all that's vanity, okay? The only thing worth doing is knowing God. Now, as your assignment and as your mandate, if that takes you around the world, so be it. Praise God. And if you have opportunity, the Lord's dealt with you to rest, take vacation, go places, see things. That's awesome. But the ultimate in life is not just going and seeing. But if you can understand that if you could come up off the belly of life and get up there where the eagles were, uh, where the eagles are, in your lifetime, you will see things and understand things you would never do to the posture that the worm has. Does that make sense? And there's, there's spiritual realities here. When we come up to our seat in the heavenlies, we have access now due to our posture, due to our position, spiritual position and posture. We are able to see further, understand things, have comprehension and knowledge of, of things that down in our earthly, low, fleshy place, we would never see never understand and we can never reach those places you know if you go up uh high enough and we're to uh you know begin to move forward due to the height every uh it's exponential move move movement forward so the higher you are the same effort it would take down on the ground to go one mile the higher you are and you went one mile that trajectory you would get further than you did if you were down on the ground. So I want you to understand the spiritual implications of that. The higher you are, the further you're going to get with the same amount of effort or less. Praise God. And that's a spiritual reality. We want that truth to permeate. That truth will take us up into the highways 
to higher thinking, to higher living. And there's more production, there's more fruit, there's more output when you tap into that higher way of thinking, uh, higher way of thinking, higher way of living than you would if you were to put out that same amount of effort in a low place, in low thinking or low living. Praise the Lord. Um, so let's get back to here because I'm not sure where I left off, but Romans 8. So we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Again, this word carries the idea that this conformity is not possible alone. Conformity requires pressure. Think of a plastic mold. Substance is forced into a tight chamber, and then intense heat and pressure is applied to create the finished product, resulting in the image of the mold. Sometimes they, they call this uh, plastic injection molding or whatever the actual material is, but they inject a substance uh, that under heat and pressure will take the shape of the mold and then harden so that when the mold is released, that substance, the plastic, the whatever, uh, carbon fiber, whatever it is, is has now retained the shape of the mold. Um, here, uh, according to Romans, we find out, though, that the point of the pressure and the heat in order to be transformed is directly aimed at the mind. So this is where the pressure is applied to the mind. Now, that's the same in the world. Now, I don't have time in this lesson, but we could cover several scriptures. We could look at the strategy of Diabolos. Okay, devil is not Satan's name. Uh, a lot of people call him devil. But actually, Diabolos is more uh, speaking to a function. Diabolos is what Satan does. The devil is what he does. It's not necessarily who, his name. It's not his name. It's not a proper name. It's, it's not a proper noun. It's, it, 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 it's more of a descriptive term of what he does. And Diabolos, uh, Dia and Balos, the intended target scripturally, this is what we get from the scriptures, the intended target of the function of Diabolos is the mind. So this is why, again, uh, we, f we find revealed in, in the scriptures that the target to conformity to the image of Christ is also targeted at the mind. We need to change the way we think. Well, listen, the devil is after your mind too. Now, part of this is because of the reality of the function of the soul. So you are not a mind. You are not just a big mind. Father God is not just a big mind out there. Uh, he is a spirit. The Bible says he is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible tells us that you are a spirit. You are born of the word, okay? And uh, you are a spirit. You are not a body. You are a spirit. You are not emotions. Hallelujah. You are a spirit. You are not a mind. You are a spirit that has a soul. And in that soul function is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And then you live in a body. You have an earth suit called a body. Now, the connecting piece between natural and spiritual is the soul realm. This is why both the devil and Heavenly Father is after the mind because this is the connecting piece that brings the two realities together experientially. This is why he's saying, renew your mind in order 
to experience transformation, but he said, renew your mind so that you may prove or allow, allow what? Heaven's realities to what? Intersect or integrate into your natural reality. So many people cannot prove the things of God. They, they go around with mental concepts, but they're never able to prove them. For example, like healing. Now I've been healed several times. That's been proven in my life. The reality of heaven's benefits. Um, what's a better way to say that? Uh, heaven's potential, heaven's possibility, the kingdom's will. Remember he said, um, uh, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demon, uh, demons, cleanse the lepers, and what? Tell them the kingdom has come near. The reality of the kingdom, the benefits of the kingdom, what you experience in the kingdom, some people only have a mental knowledge of. They've read the Bible, and they have mental knowledge. They read it, and so here's what it said, but they've never been able to prove it. They've never experienced the power of the kingdom of God. They've never experienced the power of the healing anointing because they've read a thing, but they've never allowed it into their life. They've never been renewed. They've never come to the place where they changed their mind. They haven't come to the place where they said, I believe that according to his word, that he is able, he is willing, and he has the power to heal me. So they have read a story, say, but they've never proved it or allowed it because they've not renewed their mind or changed their mind to think in accordance with the way that Jesus would think concerning healing. And I took the long route to talk that out, but um, I believe that you're understanding what I'm saying. And uh, so this is what I'm talking about here, that we need to uh, allow the word to put pressure on our mind, uh, allow the word to... Um, bring a mold. The word is a mold. Same way wickedness is a mold. But we need to allow the mold, the shape of the word, to put pressure on our mind. And we begin to change the way we think, to conform to the pattern or to the mold of the word. And uh, when we do that, we'll begin to allow or we'll begin to prove experientially, meaning it'll manifest in the natural realm. This this is what you want. This is what you want. Listen, you don't want these concepts to just simply be some ethereal concept or some ethereal theory. It may make you feel good, but if you're not experiencing them, it's not going to do anything for you in the natural realm. And the reality of what Christ did is that the kingdom is come now. The kingdom is where? It's within you. And it's to manifest, it's to demonstrate itself in the natural realm. So we were saying that the soul part of you, mind, will, and emotions, is like the connector piece. And in reality, the mind, not the brain, I'm not, I'm not talking about the, um, the literal physical part of you. Uh, your mind utilizes the brain, the physical part of you. Uh, but the mind is both natural and spiritual. You're going to have your mind. You have your mind here, and you have your. You're going to have your mind over there. I don't have time to go in the scriptures. We we could prove that. Um, you're going to have your memories, et cetera, because it's a spiritual reality, but it's natural as well. And it's the interpiece here. the The soul realm is where you are bridging 
spiritual realities with natural ones. The soul realm is intimately acquainted with the physical aspects of you, pain, suffering, heat, cold, touch, all that kind of stuff. And it has it's a go-between between between spiritual things and natural things. And this is why, uh, for example, when Jesus uh, came across this young boy that the disciples couldn't get healed and the father came up and he said, man, you know, can you help me? And he cried out and he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, this is, this is where a lot of people are. They have revelation knowledge of what's possible in the spirit realm, but they don't know how to prove or allow those things to uh, demonstrate itself in the natural realm. They believe, but they're intimately acquainted with the natural pain or situation or circumstance or opposition. And so they're in this internal battle. Once again, that internal battle will begin to uh, change for the good or, or the better, depending upon where you subject your mind, what conformity or what mold you've given your mind to. If you give your mind to the things of the world, then you're going to be further and further and further and further away from proving spiritual things. If you give your mind to be conformed to the word and to righteousness, you're going to walk in spiritual demonstrations and manifestations easier. Hallelujah. Because the mind is that interconnecting piece. And if it's more yielded to the natural, you're going to have natural, uh, uh, you're going to live more naturally. You're going to be more aware. Uh, uh, the natural is going to be more dominant. If you give your mind, your soul over to being conformed to the things of the spirit, to the word, to his ways, to righteousness, then the spiritual things will be more dominant in your life and you'll actually begin to see it. They'll be proven. You'll prove them. Hallelujah. Um, in the world, no one is conformed without help. And so in the kingdom, this is true as well. No one is conformed without help. We have Holy Ghost. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, and let me encourage you in something here. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. We're talking about the law of transformation. We want to get over into that metamorphic experience. We come up off of the, um, we come up off of crawling on our belly through life, being so intimately acquainted with the natural things. It's like we're face down in natural things. No, we want to come up above, off of natural things, and soar in the high places. Ephesians three sixteen. Again, no one in the kingdom is conformed without help. We have Holy Ghost. It says that he, Holy Ghost, would grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Now, lastly, as we close out this podcast today, let's look at the word transform. Let me give you some functioning definitions of transform. We've looked at conform. Conformity is neutral. It just depends on uh, your mind, what you've given your mind to be conformed to. You can give it to the world. You can give it to perversion. You can give it to delusion. You can give it to crazy ideas, or you can give your mind to the word. You can think on heavenly things, meditate on heavenly things, and there's a conformity that, that will happen to the ways of the kingdom. So conformity is neutral. 
Now let's look at the word transform and we'll bring this podcast to a close today. So the word transform, again, we get metamorphosis. That's our English word. Uh, it's uh, metamorpho is the Greek word. And uh, it means this, to change into another form, it means to transfigure. It literally means to transfigure. It means to trans to change into another form or to transform, and it means to transfigure. Now, transfigure, let me give you a, a working definition. It means to change the appearance of something or someone into an elevated, exalted state or form. So transformation is really uh, brings about transfiguration transformation you know you went from caterpillar low intimately acquainted with the ground the dust the earth low things and it the process of transformation brought about a transfiguration the butterfly this is metamorphosis but it brought about a transfiguration it's now an elevated or exalted state or form again the spiritual implications here of being able to come off and out of into a high place leaving a low place and coming up this is why when satan was cursed in the garden he lost his ability to get his belly up off the ground in that form that he took there that serpent was cursed on your belly understand the spiritual implications there's nothing wrong with laying down on on the ground i was doing some stretches this this morning and I was laying on the ground. I don't have wings. I'm not flying. Understand the spiritual implications that if you're bound to only slithering around on your belly, can you understand the limitations? So in him, though, we've uh, we have access now to a metamorphic process that will bring a transfiguration. And when we enter into this process, the light of the word will uh, enter into this space, enter into our heart, our life. It'll enter into the natural, and it will allow, it will allow all possibilities of the supernatural realm, all possibilities of what's possible in Christ Jesus. Um, it will allow that, and they'll be proven. Healing will be proven. Uh, supernatural miracles will be proven intervention angelic help and assistance all these spiritual things that you've read about once you begin to change your mind conform your mind thinking to his ways righteousness his way of doing and being it opens the door to prove these things or to allow these things to literally invade your natural life it you know it in the spirit but you need to know it in the natural and you will in the name of Jesus. Now, let me share a quick story, and then we'll close. And I came across this uh, many years ago, and it was a, an experiment done uh, where they put a bunch of fleas in a jar. And uh, they put these fleas in this jar, and they put a lid on it. Now, if you just imagine with me what, it, what happened. Well, the fleas didn't like being in, in that jar, obviously. And they begin to jump up. They begin to jump up. And when they jumped up, they hit that lid and they'd get knocked, knocked back down. Well, the scientists watched this over a period of time 
And they noticed these fleas would jump up, hit, hit the lid, and get knocked down. They would jump up, they'd hit this lid, get knocked down. Jump up, hit the lid, and get knocked down. Well, uh, you know, to tie this into what we we're talking about today, the lid was the catalyst for conformity. And what they began to see was they would hit this lid, get knocked back down. Well, after a while, after a period of time, what they noticed is the fleas would jump up, but they would jump up just shy of hitting the lid. See, the lid became a catalyst for conformity. Just like you and me, we get tired of hitting our head. And so sometimes what, what, what we'll do is we'll begin to conform now to the limit. Whatever the limit is, you know, we get tired of hitting the limit, getting dis disappointed, getting hurt, getting wounded. Uh, what's, what's potential here is we'll conform to the limitation and then now just jump just shy of getting knocked back down. Now, without access to something outside of our known reality, we are forced, as it were, to conform to what was inside. Same, same thing that they saw with this experiment. There was, I'm sure, other insects and bugs that you could do this experiment with, but they chose fleas. So again, the lid was the catalyst for their conformity. The scientists proved that it's possible over a period of time, once you set the catalyst for conformity in place, whatever that may be, that that lid was the pressure needed to change and to alter, significantly alter the future of these fleas. Now, what they did is uh, once they noticed that the fleas were jumping just shy of hitting the lid, they removed the lid. I want you to just take a guess, take a stab at what you think happened. Did they jump out? Well, they jumped, but because the lid had now conformed their thinking, had conformed their new reality now, it had produced a new reality in them. They still jumped up, but they jumped just shy of hitting the lid, even though the lid was no longer there. Now, there's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, uh, it's called the phantom limb. And I talked uh, with a gentleman one, one time who had lost an arm. And we were talking about this, and he said for years he would reach out for something with that arm, like to grab a fork or a glass or whatever. And he would reach out as if he still had that, that, that hand. Uh, he uh, didn't have anything below his, his, his elbow. And he would still reach out for, for something as if his hand was still there, only to realize, oh, wait, I don't have a hand. Well, that's called phantom limb. And it's where the mind is so used to a thing being there that it takes a period of time for the mind to change and to no longer act like it used to act and reach out with that hand, the mind still thinks that the hand is there. And he even told me that he could still feel his fingers and some, sometimes he would even reach out to try and scratch his hand and his hand wasn't there. Well, that phenomenon is called phantom limb. And it's because all you've known up until the point of losing that limb, all you knew was having access and availability to the hand to the arm, et cetera. And he now, uh, it's not so much of an issue at the point when I was talking to him, he was talking about there in the early days, but it took several years for his mind to begin to change. This is just like that experiment with the fleas. Listen, we have conformity set up in our life and it can be good or bad, but these are patterns. These are ways of thinking that result in a particular action or reality of our life. And sometimes these limitations uh, can be imposed 
and we just yield to them. But in, in, in the case of when we've come to know Jesus Christ, the lid or the limitations have been rem removed. But unless we do what? Unless we renew our mind, we create a new, uh, set in place a new catalyst for conformity, which is the word of God, which gives us now uh, it has removed the limitations. The, the word of the Lord is now revealing what's possible to us. For example, the word of the Lord is saying, look, there's no lid. You can jump out of this jar now. But unless you renew your mind, unless you change um, the way you were thinking, all you knew your whole life was the lid. Like, like this guy who lost his arm, all he knew before was having a hand there. When he lost that hand, he had to change the way that he thought. By allowing God's word to confront us and challenge our old ways of thinking, we let it give us a perspective or a reality of something that we would normally have not had. This literally is redemption and it's been offered to us. Hallelujah. Well, friends, I think we're going to have to close the podcast there. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. Hey, I pray that you've been encouraged and strengthened in some way. And listen, my, my prayer for you as we close this podcast is that you would allow the truth to come in and remove any lids in your life, uh, to lift off the limitations off of you. And truly, Jesus wants to do that. But that's just step one. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the lid will be removed. Now, second step is to get a hold of his word. And his word will be, be, begin to instruct you and train you in righteousness so that you can jump out of, the, out of the jar now. You don't have to live your life stuck in the jar. Praise the Lord. Listen, send me an email. Hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Let me, let me know uh, about what God is doing in your life. Or if you need some, 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 some prayer, you want somebody to agree with you or pray that prayer of agreement that initial prayer to help get you started in this process, reach out to us. It would be our honor. You can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I, I want to give a big shout out to all of our patrons, all of our partners, those that you've sent in uh, contributions to help the podcast out. Every contribution is tax deductible. So if you send any gift of any amount, it's tax tax deductible. We just say in advance, thank you so much. It's helping to keep the podcast out there. If you would like to participate in that, there's several ways. Go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. If you're in the United States, you can text the give 84321. Just follow the prompts. Or of course, you can snail mail at PO Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right, friends, we love you. And until next time, be blessed.